I remember seasons of spiritual warfare that just about cut my legs out from under me. These were basically short amounts of time, like a few weeks here or a few weeks there. Rarely was it more than a month or so. But in these seasons, I am telling you, it was like the enemy was having a field day with me. Here's what I remember. Number one, for me personally, I remember feeling this overwhelming sense that God was moving. Number two, I felt totally polarized. Almost just as much as I could sense God moving, baby, I totally sense Satan moving. Like, something is just not right around here, but I can't put my finger on it. Number three, I remember feeling overwhelmed by my thoughts, thinking God was resentful of me, others were sick and tired of me, I just couldn't do this faith thing. Jesus didn't have enough mercy for me and crazy amounts of overwhelming thoughts. Number four, I remember hiding from other people. I'm going to just read the first words from each of those four statements I just mentioned and just catch the first word. Ready? These are the first words from each of those four statements. Feeling, thinking, thinking, hiding. So what do we do when we've kind of identified that spiritual warfare is happening to us? That's what we're talking about today on the podcast. You're listening to Women Speaking Truth, a podcast that inspires women to know God deeper and equips them to take the next step in their God-given callings. My name is Andy Bruce, and I'm so passionate about helping women develop their character and understand their callings that I went out and got a doctorate degree in leadership. Now I'm sharing practical tools about leadership development through a biblical lens so that God can empower and ignite ordinary women like you and I to make his impact on our world. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. Man, we've been talking about some really big stuff for about the last, I don't know, five weeks or so. We're talking about this idea of spiritual warfare. Now, here's what we have learned. We have learned that man, oh man, does spiritual warfare matter. And to just stick your head in the sand and pretend that it doesn't really matter or it doesn't affect you that much, uh uh-uh, that's especially when you're in deep danger. So what I want to do today on the podcast is go over about four or five questions that are just going to be some nuts and bolts. And FYI, I'm repeating a little bit from the last few weeks because this stuff, if we miss it, we kind of miss everything. Then I'm going to tell some stories about what to do about spiritual warfare that have some principles behind them. So let's get started. What is spiritual warfare? Listen, there are so many theologians out there. They're going to have extremely concise or punchy or thorough answers. I want you to know that's not what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you my perception. I'm not saying I'm 100% wrong, but I am saying I have looked at God's word and I think there's merit to what my perception of spiritual warfare is. Enough of the caveat. Let's answer the question. What is spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare is a spiritual battle that can happen right under our noses 
and we don't even know it. So listen, while I was thinking about this, uh, this came to mind. My boys, they are 11-year-olds and 14, and then my husband, they love to get on Disney Plus at night and watch these Marvel movies. You know what I'm talking about? I kind of don't, but like, I don't know, Black Widow and Thor and whatever they are, right? And every single one of the Marvel movies, it goes like this. Good fights evil or evil fights good. And there's sort of this epic battle with big explosions and loud noises and somebody who always comes to save the day and hopefully wins, right? We love these stories. This is not a picture of spiritual warfare. Marvel movies do not give us a good idea of what spiritual warfare is because spiritual warfare is not good fighting evil or spiritual warfare is not evil fighting good. No way, baby, because here's what that would mean. If we said spiritual warfare is just good versus evil, it would mean that there's sort of a level playing field between God and Satan. Nope, no way, that is not how the story goes according to what the Bible says. Nope. Instead, spiritual warfare is the enemy attempting to undo what God has given us. Because he knows he can't be equal-footed with God. And let me tell you this. Satan knows exactly how the story ends. You know where you, like I do this almost every time. Like I start the Marvel movie with my boys. Then like 10 minutes into it, I'm like, okay, so here's how this is going to go. Maybe sometimes I'm right. But eventually we're like, good always wins. As if maybe that were a question. Listen, when it comes to spiritual warfare, there's not a question of, oh, I wonder how this is going to turn out. Or, ooh, I wonder what Satan's going to do to get God or how crafty or schemy he is as if God is unaware. No way. Spiritual warfare is not this idea or this picture of a Marvel movie as if good and evil are duking it out. Jesus, when he was on the cross, finished the work of evil. He put it to bed once and for all. He said, here are the keys to Hades. I've given you all authority in Jesus' name. Like, even though we call it spiritual warfare because there is a battle that happens, it's not because we're unsure of who's going to win or how this thing is going to play out. No way. Jesus said when he breathed his last, it is finished including spiritual warfare. But go to theologians because you guys, I don't understand how it's finished and yet we're still working it out except for God rules perfectly and he leads his people perfectly and he's given us every provision that we need. Every provision, every provision. According to 2 Peter 1, he's like, I've given you everything that you need for life and godliness, including what we need to stand firm. So what is spiritual warfare? I have said for years now that spiritual warfare, it gets real simple. It's Satan who is a spiritual being using spiritual tactics to conduct spiritual warfare because Satan's a spiritual being and he uses spiritual tactics to conduct spiritual warfare against us, against God's children. 
And honestly, you and I are so unfamiliar with the spiritual realm because we love being zoned into what our eyes can see and our brains can logically comprehend, aka avoiding all things spiritual or most things spiritual. So most of us are pretty oblivious to the spiritual world and that gives Satan an upper hand. So in my forte, how I look at this always is Satan uses spiritual warfare like these little lies, schemes, and accusations to attempt to hijack our faith. Why our faith? Because our faith is the thing that God has given us as his gift that gives us our salvation. And if we don't have faith, we can't please God. If we don't have faith, we're not going to step out in obedience. If we don't have faith, we're not going to hone in and invest in our relationship with God. Because why would we? So it's sort of like our Achilles heel that Satan loves to just go after. Because he does not want the kingdom of God to expand in our life and through our life. So that's what spiritual warfare in its most simplistic form is. So we already said how it happens. Well, Satan, who is a spiritual being, uses spiritual tactics. These tactics include lies, accusations, and schemes. Often those schemes, by the way, are things like fear, intimidation, um, overwhelming us with a doubt or a sense that we cannot do whatever God's called us or whatever the lie for you is that hijacks your faith. And Satan does this conducting spiritual warfare. And I want to say it one more time. Spiritual warfare can take place right under our noses, all around us, and we can have no idea. It's crazy. Here's what I mean. What does spiritual warfare look like, like just in real life? Not figuratively, not theoretically, but in real life. Remember, Satan's aim is to destroy the power of God in your life and in my life, which is your faith. And this is his intention. It's what motivates him because he knows he can't take God down. So he's going to do all that he can to take you down and me down instead. Because if we are totally unaware, and oftentimes we are, of what's happening in the spiritual world, shoo, baby, you and I will get more beat up by the lies, accusations, and schemes of the enemy. And here's the scheme. We think we have done something wrong. We think we have a problem. Because we're so unzoned in to the spiritual world, and therefore like oblivious to the fact that this is the enemy, often, probably more often than not, speaking lies, speaking accusations, and scheming against the faith that God's given us. And we buy it hook, line, and sinker. And we know we bought it because we think we are the problem. We think God doesn't have much trust in us. God doesn't forgive us. God can't use us. We are not going to be found faithful. We're going to do something stupid to screw it up. And we think we are the problem when really often I think there is spiritual warfare at play and we don't even know it. Isn't that crazy? So where does spiritual warfare happen? 
often, not always, but often spiritual warfare happens in our minds. That's why you have to know what your mind is thinking. You need to learn to listen to your own thoughts. Listen, if you don't know what you think about or what runs through your mind, it means you are not keeping guard of your mind, which scripture calls us to. And if this is true for you, then the enemy has strong access to your mind and you don't even know it. It's a continuous open season for the roaring lion, Satan, to come and roam about freely in your thoughts by planting lies and planting accusations and scheming against the faith that God's given you because nobody is on duty in your mind, meaning you. It's like, I don't really know what I'm thinking. I don't really know. I don't know. It's just a passive thing. Like, here's how you know. If you're driving down the road and you're like, oh my goodness, and you kind of realize it's like you're totally on autopilot, if this happens to you regularly, nobody is guarding your mind, period. So now that we've covered, by the way, there's a whole lot more about that in the last few episodes, particularly episode number 41. Listen to like the last 10 or 15 minutes where we talk a lot about a picture of guarding your mind and where to start and how to do it. So if I were in your shoes going like, yeah, I think that might be me where, I don't know, I just don't know exactly what I'm thinking. Yes, I'm talking to you. Pause, go back to podcast 41, start there. So now that we've covered those ultra simplistic, but super important bases about spiritual warfare, let's get to the real question that we are asking today. What do we do when spiritual warfare is detected in our minds. And by the way, you know that it's in your mind because you're like, something is happening in my thoughts, creating complete disorientation spiritually, where you're like, whoa, I'm having serious doubts about God that are unusual. That would be a lie, a scheme, and an accusation. I'm having serious um accusations towards somebody else. I know my husband's cheating or he's never going to do what he said he's going to do and follow through. That's an accusation. Or I know those women are talking about me. Whoa, 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 whoa. When you are living for a period of time, or maybe it's just been a long time because you've bought the enemy's lies, hook, line, and sinker. If you live in these seasons of accusing others, hello, this is the enemy scheme against you. It's the enemy scheme when you start thinking this way about God too, when you're like, he must be so tired of me. He doesn't really care. Like I know he cares about other people or I know he loves other people, but not really me. Whoa, 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 whoa. These are contrary to the word of God and the Holy Spirit in you. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, and it's like, these are the ways that you detect something's up. This is not typical. There's a frontal assault and it happens typically in your mind. And if you are unaware and if your mind is unguarded and you don't really have ownership or knowledge of what you're thinking, danger, danger, danger. But slowly as for me, as I've grown more aware and these days it's awesome because I was so unaware. I mean, so unaware of what my mind thought. It's like nobody was home. It's like, 
I don't know. I My mind was open season for the enemy to come and just roam freely because I did not have ownership of it. I didn't guard it. It's an immaturity. Nowadays, man, it's so cool. I'll be driving or sitting in a meeting or anywhere and this thought will come into my mind and I am telling you, I can catch these thoughts. Now, by the way, after years of frontal assaults, unnoticed by me. But these days it's like a thought will zoom into my mind. Something weird, sexual for me, I'm like, what on earth? And for me, I just catch it quick. I mean, I catch it from the get go. I don't give that thought any room to grow. Or if there's a weird thought about, um, most of you guys know my ministry partner, Melissa, I think the enemy will subtly, sneakily plant little thoughts of accusation against her in my mind. And I'm like, what? This is ludicrous. And it's catching it quick. I mean, light speed quick. As I'm like, Holy Spirit, will you do the work for me? You know that I get way too focused on what's right in front of me, what I could see, my agenda, my day, getting through tasks, or even just play and being so ultra present with somebody or doing something that I'm not mindful of my mind. Praying that many, many, many times, I am telling you, I think God is so faithful and he gives us everything we need, including this, as we're open and asking him, God, just train us, train me, train me to know what my thoughts are. So yeah, I'll have a weird, let's use a, a weird sexual thought. That's not normal for me. Kind of jump into my mind. For me, it almost so, sounds like a, ret- a record screeching or the brakes like, you know what I mean? I'm like, what in the world? And so immediately I will say, uh, in Jesus name, out, like out, 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 out. We'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute. And then I'll be like, Lord, no, 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 no. My mind is all yours. And then Melissa told me about this, um, this woman, boy, I don't know her name, where she has this strategy of disrupting a dangerous thought in your mind. And I've actually been playing with this for the last, I don't know, couple months, And so when a weird thought comes in my mind, first thing, it's like, in Jesus' name, out. Like, enemy, see ya, get out. Then I do this super cool strategy. You catch the thought and you say, I'm done thinking about that. Then I count backward from five, four, three, two, one. And I say, in Jesus' name, there's no way I'm thinking about that thought again. I'm done. And then I purposefully move into a little bit of prayer. God, what you made over there, like that tree, it's so pretty. God, you are such a good creator. Wow, God, I know that the way that you perfectly formed creation, you perfectly formed me and you've given me everything I need. So thanks. And boom, that thought is gone. This is what it looks like to guard our minds. So, uh, I'm going to share a couple stories that hopefully have some principles to you, uh, for you in what we do with spiritual warfare. So I remember my family and I lived 
on the other side of town. Uh, it was our first home that we bought, a home that was seriously, it was super cute on the outside, but if you opened the wrong door or peeled back a layer of paint, watch out. It's like a whole web of bad DIY from the previous owner that became glaringly not just obvious, but a problem. So I was sitting outside um, on our gravel driveway with my kids and they were super little, like maybe two, three, four years old or three and four and five years old, something like that, like toddlers. And we had this cat <laughs> that adopted us. We, it, it was not our cat, but lo and behold, we began to feed it. And that day I was sitting outside on the brick in the gravel kind of area, my kids are playing with gravel and literally my youngest son was chewing on gravel like he just did. So we're outside enjoying sunshine. This cat strolls up to me in particular and lays down, I don't know, five, six, seven feet from me. And I would say to the cat, hey, Freddie, its name was Freddie. And then I go, oh my gosh, Freddie, what on earth? And Freddie strutted over and laid down with a big fat or kind of a, a little fat mouse in its jaws. So Freddie had caught a mouse. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like totally freaking out. The mouse is a little bloody, totally injured. And Freddie is having the time of his life with this little mouse. So what Freddie would do is between his little paws, like Freddie's laying on his belly and between his paws, he would let the mouse out of his mouth and that mouse would try to skimper away very badly. Like it had no movement. It had hardly any life left in it, but it was trying to scoot away. Freddie would let the mouse take a few steps, like five, six, seven, eight scooches or little steps away. And then it required nothing of Freddie, who's just laying casually, enjoying this little game of cat and mouse and paw it back hard. Paw that mouse back right back into its grip, pick it up, shake it in its jaws, and then set it down. And then the whole thing would replay over and over and over. So this poor mouse thought probably that maybe it might be able to get away. At least it tried. And every time it tried, it's like that cat would swat it back, put it back in the clenches of his jaw, swing it around and do it over and over again. As I was sitting there and watching this pretty sad, like kind of disturbing, pitiful game of cat and mouse, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me that day, as I was in a season right then of the enemy, ugh, it was awful. I mean, it was, it felt like brutal and bloody spiritual warfare, not just with me, but also with my family. As literally at that time, my oldest son was saying, Mom, I didn't tell you, but earlier when I was watching TV, I felt like he was four or five at the time, by the way. I felt like something was behind me, so I turned around, and Mom, there was a very tall man with a black hood, and he said, maybe it was a man, I don't know, something tall and black with a black cape, and it was standing behind me. And when I saw it, I froze and then I ran and I'm like, baby, why didn't you tell me that? Like, 
this is stuff mommy and daddy need to know. So when I say it was a full frontal and it felt like not any kind of spiritual warfare that I have ever dealt with before. And these kinds of things were happening one right after the other. So that day as I was watching this cat and mouse play cat and mouse, I felt like the Holy Spirit was, I remember so clearly, it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, this is like what you are allowing the enemy to do to you. You are the mouse, Andy. And he's got you in his grip and you can barely get away. And over and over again, he's swatting you back, putting you in his jaw, shaking you up a little bit, not to kill you, but to hurt you, to damage you, to dominate you. And you are letting that cat get away. And I got to tell you, at first I was like, no, Lord, like, even though I knew it was true, it was like, but, but God, you're not doing anything was my response. And so I remember that day watching it. And I, and I remain, I mean, watching with tears in my eyes, watching this cat, because now it wasn't about cat and mouse. It was about God using that small little picture of this cat and mouse demonstrating to me. And therefore, as that happened, it was like, oh my gosh, this is what the enemy is doing and I can't get away and I'm letting it happen. So that led me to a whole new awareness because it's like I knew to use the name of Jesus, but it was kind of like that little mouse of, I was using the name of Jesus, skimpering and trying to scamper four, five, six little steps away just to get drugged back in. So I remember saying, God, whatever you need to teach me, teach me because I don't want to be that little mouse anymore getting beat up while the cat is enjoying the bloodbath. So principle number one, we don't play cat and mouse with the devil. Nope. We do not play cat and mouse with the devil. Why? Because this is not how Jesus has designed this thing to go. Jesus has already given us every victory. He's finished the battle and he's given us the tools so that we're like, oh, really, cat? Not going to happen. Principle number one, you and I, we do not play cat and mouse with the devil. Hey friends, if you're listening to this podcast, here's what I know about you. One, you love God, and two, you love God's word. It was about seven or eight or nine years ago, me and a really good friend, Melissa Dunn, who's also my ministry partner, wrote and taught a Bible study called the Book of Job. If you're looking for a Bible study that's gonna go deeper and really show you who is God, especially God, like we see in the book of Job, who, let's just be honest, does strange and kind of terrifying, peculiar things to a guy named Job. But here's the thing, even though, yeah, the book of Job, it's no walk in the park. It is difficult. It is peculiar and it's a bit frightening. But here's what we know. God shows up uncharacteristically to a man named Job and his friends. 
And here's what I've seen God do over and over and over again with women who gather around God's word and sincerely study the book of Job to know who this God is. God shows up uncharacteristically to them too. So if you're at all interested, I want to give you two ways to plug into the book of Job Bible study by Melissa Dunn. First, you could go to truthgroups.com backslash store, and you're going to see a couple options to purchase or check out the Bible study on the book of Job. Or head over to Melissa Dunn's YouTube channel and search Job Bible study, Melissa Dunn, and it's going to pop right up. Whatever you do, we love when women gather with her people around the word of God because we firmly believe God wants to show up uncharacteristically to you too. Principle number two, let's talk about the name of Jesus. So first, let me just create some context for this. Jesus very, very clearly says that his name is the name that has all authority. Here's what he says. I have given you, this is Jesus talking, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Isn't that amazing? Oh my gosh, it like gets me fired up. Jesus is like, listen, I know the enemy is going to present itself in the same way like snakes and scorpions to scare the bejeejees out of you. It's going to make you feel like you are in great danger and great harm. The same way that if you woke up next to a scorpion, you're going to feel. But listen, I've given you not just everything that you need, but the authority, authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So what do we get from that? A couple things. One is Jesus says, you If you are a child of mine and you know that you're a child because you will have the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself, left in the form of his Holy Spirit, deposited into you. When that happens, part of the benefit of being Jesus's child with Jesus's spirit in the form of the Holy Spirit in us, baby, it's like we get to show the badge, like I have full access, I have full authority, all the authority and power over the evil one that Jesus um, gave us, I now have. And here's the thing. So use this image, if you will, just to track with me of a badge. So my dad was LAPD for 28 years in Los Angeles. Like cool. He, in his own right, he's a hero. I remember we would go into some places and there were a couple of small events. Well, not small, but um, quick events that happened where um, he asserted himself into an unsafe situation with other police officers. And how did he do that? He pulled his wallet out of his back pocket of his pants, flipped it open and boom, there was his badge. When the other police officers saw that they were like, oh, 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 yeah, okay, come on. Full authority, the badge said it all. It gave him, and still does to some extent, access to places that you and I as non 
law enforcement officers, they'd look at us and be like, you don't belong. Get behind the yellow line or get over there. This is out of your territory. Figuratively speaking, for us as believers of Jesus, as children of God who have the deposit of the Holy Spirit in us, I'm telling you, our badge is the name of Jesus. It gives us all authority, all of it. That's what this says. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Well, here's the thing. If we're not holding our badge in our back pocket, meaning in relationship with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit leading and directing us and letting us observe things and sort of cluing us in. Hello, Andy. This is like spiritual warfare happening. If you're not next to Jesus, you you don't even have your badge on you, figuratively speaking, of course. Second is, you could have your badge on you all the live long day and not pull it out of your back pocket. And for me, I think that's what was happening with this illustration of the cat and the mouse. And so as I sat and watched that mouse and with tears in my eyes and rolling down my cheeks and going, oh my gosh, God, I know. And I regularly would say in Jesus name, in Jesus name. And it's sort of like, I don't know, putting my hand on the badge. But I was saying in Jesus name as if it were a magic spell that was going to make everything better. And it didn't. It didn't. Because I would watch the spiritual attack fold out and unplay in my mind and in my heart and around me. And I'm like, I'm using the name of Jesus, but nothing is happening. Well, I want to address that because I wonder how many women live with the badge in the back pocket where you acknowledge it every once in a while, but you don't know how to use it. So for me, this is how I began to learn to use it. I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me as I was reading scripture, as I was asking him, God, then will you train me? Like, what am I doing wrong? I'm using the name of Jesus. Isn't that supposed to be like boom, 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 abracadabra and things change because I am using the name of Jesus, but not effectively. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, oh, you're using the name of Jesus, but you're not using the name of Jesus in conjunction with faith. So let's talk about faith for a minute. Ephesians 6, 16. By the way, Ephesians at the very end of the chapter, Paul is breaking down what if you grew up in Sunday school, you're like, yeah, 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 the armor of God. And I want to be like, whoa, 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 the armor of God. Sometimes, man, isn't it a bummer when we grew up in Sunday school hearing things over and over and over again, appropriately, like for children, But I think the problem is for us who have grown up with those quote unquote children's stories or these kinds of things that kind of become like fables to us, or we've heard it so many times that the hearing and hearing and hearing has um, lowered and lowered and lowered the idea that these words, these stories happened, they're from God. And this Ephesians 6, the armor of God is kind of one of those. So Ephesians 6, 16 says this. In addition to all this, 
all the other pieces of the armor. He says this, take up the shield of faith. Okay, that's interesting in and of itself. When we're talking about being annihilated or frontal assault or other um, metaphors or figures of speech I've used in the last few episodes are open season. Speaking of a hunting season that doesn't have regulations. And what this says is take up the shield, the shield that's going to protect you. What is that shield made of? Faith. Your faith. So crazy. Your faith and my faith is the thing that one, the enemy is out to destroy. But if we are like tuned into the Holy Spirit and like, ooh, something's happening. I think the enemy is scheming, plotting, accusing, and lying against me in order to destroy my faith. Listen, flip side of that coin is that the faith that God has given you upon salvation, it says this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. For me, I had the name of Jesus, but it wasn't in conjunction with faith. So this is crazy because the name of Jesus that is above every other name, every other name, all names will bow down on judgment day to the name and person of Jesus. But we can use the name of Jesus absent of faith and accomplish very little, if anything at all. That's what I was experiencing. So as I was using the name of Jesus and sort of acknowledging the badge, uh, and it would sound like this, uh, Satan, in the name of Jesus, you you leave me alone, or you hush, or uh, you, you kind of get back. It's like me trying to stand up to the bully on the play field, knowing that bully's going to knock me out into the ground. I didn't have confidence in not just myself using the name of Jesus. I'm not sure I had faith that Jesus was really going to do something for me in that moment when I used his name. That was a problem resulting in cat and mouse. So there was this, so upon that, I was like, oh my gosh, Holy Spirit, you're right. I am not, I'm not doing this correctly. I'm not using the name of Jesus in conjunction with the faith that Jesus is already giving me and sort of putting those things together of faith filled use of the name of Jesus. So I remember saying, Holy Spirit, then will you teach me? I don't know how to, how to appropriately, correctly, effectively use the name of Jesus that you've given me that I know, I know it unlocks your authority putting this thing to bed. So teach me, God. I remember um, <laughs> I was feeling more and more convicted of like being wimpy towards Satan by not being faith-filled with the name of Jesus. So I'm telling you, I think God was letting spiritual attack happen to me in order to give me experience. And through trial and error, lots of it, um, make me confident, make me bold, give me experience of using the name of Jesus many, many times. So after that cat and mouse incident on my driveway, 
you know, a, maybe a couple weeks, I don't know, went by, but I remember being in the Word and saying, I want to know about this name of Jesus. I want to look at faith. And I just was this faith and confidence in the name of Jesus and in the faith that God has given me began to just build. And I remember saying, God, next time something happens, first, I hope it doesn't, but next time something spiritual um, from Satan, the evil one happens to me, I'm going to use the name that is above every name. It is the name of Jesus. It was this gorgeous combination of faith and the name of Jesus. And I was like getting ready for battle. So one morning I was getting ready in my bathroom and I was straightening my hair in front of the sink and in front of the mirror. And how my bathroom was situated, there was a door right next to the mirror where uh, it connected to the laundry room, which connected to the family room. So if somebody came through that door, one, I couldn't see them until if the door was closed until they were right there. And two, um, I was straightening my hair and having overwhelming thoughts that I knew were not from me and it had to do with my identity and the lies that I was hearing that moment specifically were God is so tired of you you think you have a call from God on your life huh you are an idiot like those kind of very defeating thoughts and in that moment I'm like oh a game on game on and around the corner so I couldn't quite see this because my door wasn't completely closed but it was kind of like cracked you know mostly closed at that moment I didn't know that Jeremiah who's my oldest who was probably four or five years old at that time was coming from the living room through the laundry room into my bathroom to come be with me well right when he was turning the corner to come into my bathroom I had had enough of this onslaught of lies and accusations from the evil one. And remember, I've been gearing up for this moment for some time. I slammed, I mean, I slammed down my straightener, my hair straightener onto the sink. And it was like, and I said, listen, I mean, with such authority, not because of me, but because of Jesus, listen, you get out of here in Jesus name and you go back to hell where you belong. Right then the door opens and here comes little Jeremiah with his eyes freaked out like as big as saucers and a four or five year old's little face. And he's looking at me like, what did I do? And I said, oh baby, no, not you, Satan. So then he looks over his shoulder as if Satan is right behind him. And he's like, what, where? Like, Satan's here? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, you're fine. I'm just using the name of Jesus because Satan's talking mean things to me. And he's like, okay. And he just slowly backs out. And I said, Jeremiah, come here. Mommy is learning how to use the name of Jesus with faith. And here's what it sounds like. And I love that God gave me that opportunity because I had been sort of like a bull in a china shop, like Satan, you get out of here in the name of Jesus. And just kind of, and I said, for the first time, you go back to hell where you belong, right as my son was walking in. 
But it gave me this opportunity when Jeremiah walked in to reorient this. Because guess what? We don't have to be like bulls in a china shop, like blasting the name of Jesus all over with this wield and zeal that is kind of like how Peter cut off the um, soldier's ear. Instead, I felt like God was like, well, yeah, but go get your son and let's walk through this. So I was like, Jeremiah, come, come here, come here, come here. Mommy's learning how to use the name of Jesus with faith because you know how we've been talking about Satan doesn't play nice and he's, um, you know, like kind of explaining this on a four or five year old. And I said, so I want you to stand here. And I said, and Jesus with such authority, but without the recklessness. In Jesus' name, Satan, be gone. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. I command you with the authority of Jesus out. Go back to hell where you belong, period. In Jesus' name. And it felt like God gave me a huge teaching moment. Not to be this careless, reckless, demon-like slayer. Because that is kind of what it felt like. It felt immature and wild and kind of not ineffective, but immature. And instead, in the very same moment, to give me an opportunity to be like, no, you use my name, but with the fruit of the Spirit also in the picture. That was such a major moment for me of rebuking the enemy, like with the name of Jesus, and with faith. So let's start wrapping this thing up. Spiritual warfare, man, I don't even think we can understand or grasp onto just how real it really is. Like we might imagine it. And I want to just say, if this is you, what's your next step? We might imagine it as somebody else's issue. No way, man. I want to say, especially if that's you, heads up. Like bring your head up out of the sand and start looking around for one. Do you ever feel like this is a game of cat and mouse? Because if so, it might not just be uh, what you think it is. You might be the mouse. Two, learning to use the name of Jesus, not just use it, but in conjunction with your faith. For me personally, game changer. And three, having others come alongside with me. I can't wait to get into that with you next week. This is where things really begin to change. And so next week, what we're going to talk about is uh, some mistakes I've made when it came to spiritual warfare and how I did it, like literally the tactics I used and why my husband was like, "Uh uh-uh, no way. This is not what we're doing. Can't wait to get into all that with you and more next week on the podcast.